Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number five of the Review Point podcast, coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com. I'm your host, the owner of Fanboys Anonymous, Tony Mango. And with me on the panel tonight, we have Sam Lassio. Cowabunga. And Mike Payton. Did somebody say pizza? Oh, man, I want pizza so bad after watching this movie because what we were going to oh, be yeah. talking about on this episode of Review Point is the latest reboot of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. And if you're unfamiliar with how Review Point works, it's pretty simple. We take whatever it is that we are putting in our sites for that episode and review it and discuss different parts about it, whether or not they were a hit or a miss, good or bad, if you're not sure about the connotation there. Warning, there will be spoilers, so if you have not seen the movie yet and you do not want to know what happens in it, bookmark this, come back and watch it later on instead of getting a little bit upset at the different plot points that we're going to throw out there that you might not have necessarily known about. So, generally speaking, overall first impressions, what did you guys think of the movie? Were you happy with it? Were you disappointed with it? We all went into it as previous fans of the, the franchise, so we could have had a chip on our shoulder about it and we could have thought that it was going to be terrible or we could have been super excited about it no matter what because it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles what did you think Sam as just a movie it was good I really liked it uh I was entertained for the time that I was there it was just a good popcorn flick from the standpoint of a Ninja Turtles film it was okay I mean it wasn't I guess I was expecting it to be bad I went into it not expecting anything, but I guess kind of in the back of my head, I'm like, this is probably going to suck, especially after the, uh, what was it, 2007? They, they did a animated version of it, and it was that was terrible. Somewhere so, around that time. Yeah, and I mean, everybody likes to bash on Michael Bay. And then I saw the, uh, when I saw the Nickelodeon logo on there, I'm like, well, this is what I'm getting. <laughs> but overall, I actually enjoyed it. Peyton, what did you think about it? It was fine. I mean, it was something that I'll, I'll get more to the specifics as we go deeper into this, but there was a lot of things to enjoy. There's a lot of things to not like, uh, especially as a Ninja Turtles fan. I didn't really go into it with too many expectations. I mean, Michael Bay, he is what he is. You know what you're getting with Michael Bay. Nickelodeon, though, has I think has been handling the Ninja Turtles franchise very well since they picked it up. I mean, that cartoon they have on Nickelodeon right now is probably the best thing in the franchise history. So if anything, that gave me a little bit more of a positive vibe for it. One thing I think I have to preface that I think might have brought this down a little bit for me is that this is just one week after seeing what was possibly one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my life with Guardians of the Galaxy. So to go from that to this is really unfair for it. Uh, you'll, like I said, you'll get more and more specifics as we go into this, but just just put it as a flat, middle of the road, one thumb up, one thumb down. So we are going to break down a bunch of different plot points. We're going to break down a lot of things about the characters and some other extra kind of stuff, the action, special effects, music, et cetera, et cetera. But sticking to an, uh, a basic kind of theme here of just the plot itself, um, we basically had maybe three stories, you can kind of say. Uh, Megan Fox is the main character. Uh, she plays April O'Neil, and she is essentially just the type of person who wants to get that big break in her career as a reporter. So that's something that is a rolled narrative that runs through and weaves everything together. But the overall big plot point is the idea that there's this huge company, Saks Industries or Saks Enterprises or whatever, that 
had experimented on these turtles uh, using this ooze from an alien origin, which actually I thought that, that was good that they threw that out there, the little uh, an alien um, origin for it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and these turtles just somehow kind of become ninjas because that you know needed to happen. And it ties in somehow to the idea that Shredder and his Foot Clan want to rule New York by releasing some kind of a poisonous gas that they'll also release the antidote for, and that way Sax will end up getting a buttload of money, and Shredder will still somehow end up ruling New York. I thought that this was pretty weak. It's pretty bland, too, but it seemed like they were just kind of taking a couple different um, plot points from different movies and said, you know what would be really cool? That scene at the end of The Amazing Spider-Man 1 where there's a, a poisonous um, gas thing going around the town and then also this big spire falls off of a building and then they take the shredder thing and just go well we can throw him in there because Foot Clan yeah they can fight Foot Clan and it didn't really seem like there was a whole lot of rhyme and reason for it so I was disappointed in that um, and I'm both disappointed and not in the idea that they introduced this concept that April watched over the turtles when she was a kid because it, it does kind of tie them in better together, but it's way too much of a coincidence. And it's a kid's movie, sure, you know, suspension of disbelief, whatever. But that bothered me a little bit, too, because if the other stuff in the movie wouldn't have been so haphazardly thrown together in some certain ways, I would have been able to look past that a little bit more. But it seemed like they kind of rushed certain points and just wanted to get to the to the action and everything. Peyton, what did you think about the plot? Was that weird to see this kind of thing instead of just like the old movie that we grew up on where it's like Shredder has the Foot Clan, let's fight them? And I feel like they overthought the plot in this way too much, uh, specifically the humanistic side. And this is a common problem for these Michael Bay comic book movies he's been doing. Well, I guess he's really only had Transformers to, to put that on, but way too much focus on the human characters and not enough on the Turtles. I could have completely done without this whole April O'Neil business of her trying to convince her boss that she's not crazy and annoying-ass Vern hitting on her the whole goddamn time. Complete waste of time with that movie. Once we got to the Turtles, it sped up a little bit more. I actually liked the little twist they had of April having known them in the past. I think that's a cool connection you can make without necessarily taking anything <laughs> away from it. But uh, Shredder's backstory really wasn't very well discussed in this. Uh, what he is now makes absolutely no sense. And I think we'll talk more about that when we get into characterization. But I really did not feel the story in this at all. In fact, there was at times throughout this movie where I was almost kind of like dozing off and losing interest because the story was not moving at a proper pace. It, it was just very, very lazy. What do you think, Sam? Agree or disagree? I'll generally agree. I don't understand how Shredder was supposed to rule New York City when this gas was going to be released and then there's going to be a cure. <laughs> like how does that equal shredder rise to power? Um, I didn't understand the point of Eric Sachs. Like, okay, he's going to be like stupid rich. He has a helicopter pad in his backyard <laughs> and a mansion. Like how much more rich does he need to be? Like it, that didn't make sense to me. Like rich guy just wants to be richer because plot. That's all I really took away from it. Uh, April knowing the Turtles was actually a huge plus for me. It was actually a, 
bigger plus than I thought it was going to be. Because why the hell would you name four turtles after Renaissance painters, basically? And then to tie that in with, like, Project Renaissance, and then she names it, her dad being involved, that actually, that connection was better for me than here are four turtles, this is April O'Neil, they're just going to cross paths because Ninja Turtles is that way. See, I actually kind of like that a little bit better. I mean, I do appreciate that they went through the effort of trying to tie them together because why not try to do something a little bit different every once in a while? Yeah. And it and it wasn't something really stupid like she used to be a fucking turtle and then grew up into <laughs> a fucking uh, April instead or something. You know, they didn't go crazy with it. But there's a certain fun element that they lost in this movie that the other film had where she stumbles across the turtles and she's just like what the fuck and has to kind of grow to appreciate them a little bit it's quick in the first movie of course because it's a kid's movie and you don't really you know dwell on those kind of things but in this one almost immediately she's just kind of like big turtle things those must be the turtles that i used to play with when i was a kid and you're like shit you're a fucking reporter and i know that you're supposed to be like an investigative kind of reporter and everything like that so you pay a lot of attention to details and and everything but if i saw fucking turtles that were huge and you know fucking doing karate and all this kind of stuff it would take me a little bit longer to start drawing connections to the fact that maybe they're a mutated version of the four ones that my dad used to experiment on every once in a while that was a, a stretch to me, and that's something that was a little bit odd. I'm, I'm going to put a little kibosh on that there. I mean, first off, she did kind of get taken aback by them at first. She fainted when she first saw them. So it did take her a little while to warm up to them. And it's not like she just randomly put it together that she knew who these turtles were. She put it together because she heard their names, and those names right. were familiar to her because she had them written in her journal. That's true. And, yeah, and that's she true. Had, and she had that symbol written in there, too. So she mm-hmm. recognized the symbol... She didn't even connect it with Leonardo, but once she heard Leonardo and Raphael, then it kind of started clicking a memory in there. Yeah, you know what? You guys you guys win that. You <laughs> pro- yeah, you proved me wrong, yeah. All right. More credit they deserve than what I was about to give them. <laughs> well, let's start talking about the characters, though. Uh, of course, we got to break down each one of the main ones and stuff. Um, generally speaking... Instead of doing them down, okay, Leonardo, then let's talk about Michelangelo and whatever. Um, let's just throw out the four turtles themselves. I thought that, for the most part, they were all pretty good. There's things about each one that kind of bothered me a little bit, and there's things that I really did like. Uh, Leonardo, I think two annoyances about him. Wrong voice. <laughs> Johnny Knoxville's voice does not fit Leonardo. He's too rough around the edges, Especially when he's trying to be intimidating with April at first, and he's just kind of like, you know, uh, I don't remember the line, but he's something along the lines of, like, it's going to be dangerous for you or something. It seems like he's going to, like, fucking kill her because it's Johnny Knoxville. And the other thing I didn't really like about Leonardo was he gets his ass kicked a lot, and he's supposed to be the leader of this, and that always bothers me. But I liked how they made him, generally speaking, the, the badass of the group. Like, he proves himself in some of the fights that he can kind of handle Shredder by himself a little bit more than the other ones. So that was cool. And they reiterated the point 
at the end with Raphael saying, let's listen to Leonardo because he is the fucking leader. So I did like that. Um, I really have like nothing bad to say about Donatello or Raphael. I thought they were both really good interpretations of the characters. And Michelangelo was funny, uh, if not a little bit rapey, which was kind of <laughs> awkward. Uh, you know, some of those jokes are more than fine, but when they do like a bunch of them in a row, it starts getting a little bit awkward. But but I enjoyed Michelangelo here. Um, I thought that overall the turtles were good. The look of the turtles is odd, especially um, when they're the younger versions of themselves. They were really fucking creepy. Oh, yeah. But I liked them overall. I, I thought that they did a good job. Sam? Yeah, overall I liked the Turtles. I would say, which is actually surprising because I thought I was going to fucking hate them in this movie. Um, but I would say the one that had the weakest amount of character development was Leonardo. It was pretty much, he's the leader because he's the leader and just go with it. It didn't really establish all too much. I mean, there were, there were bits and pieces, obviously, but it was just pretty much, this is Leonardo, he is the leader. But then they actually kind of gave why Raphael is a little jealous and, like, he kind of wants to go out on his own, which is true to the character. Um, Michelangelo, I think I said this last night when we were talking after the movie, like, in the 80s, he was kind of the one with the skateboards and he was saying cowabunga and stuff like that. In the 90s, he was more like the 90s kid. Still, skateboard culture was bigger back then, but he was... He was a product of the generation that he was representing. And so in this one, they gave him a little bit more of like a, I don't want to say like a hip hop feel, but like a, like not, and not even like a thuggish feel, but like, you know what I mean though? Like he had he like was, the sun. He, he was down. Right. <laughs> he was down. And that is who Michelangelo is. He's an impressionable little kid who is going to become the culture that he is growing up in. So I'm sure if Ninja Turtles came out in the 60s, he would have been the shaggy of the little group. So he bothered me at times with some of his jokes, but overall I thought his character was true to who he was. I really liked, I think my favorite one was probably Donatello. I liked the modernization of his bow staff, how it wasn't just like a basically a long piece of wood. It actually yeah. had a little technological bit to it. Uh, I liked the little uh, holographic thing he had on his wrist that he would identify with, his goggles. I thought that was all true to who he was, especially now that it's 2014 and not like the 80s and 90s when he's typing on a keyboard. <laughs> so overall, I would have to say Donatello is my favorite. Michelangelo and Raphael are a little head-to-head -head with maybe Mikey pushing it a little bit more for my favorite and then leo just was my least favorite which is upsetting because he was actually probably one of my favorites from the cartoons and stuff well how would you rank them what did you think about this uh different version of the turtles Peyton? i actually think if there's one thing they nailed it was the turtles they made them very enjoyable to be around i love listening to them talk i love seeing their colorful personalities shine on the screen and i think they nailed each one of their individual personalities very well yes leonardo was a little bland but that's what usually the leader character is he usually is a little bit more middle of the road not really going too far into extremes 
So I, that didn't bother me too much. I think he was a little bit blander of the character. And I liked his look. Yeah, I liked his little chest plate that he had on, whatever the heck that was supposed to be made of. Uh, I like how he had an I Heart New York pin on him. I thought that was yeah. kind of cheesy and funny. Um, Raphael was fantastic. I like how he was the only turtle to have a full bandana over his head. It's kind of like a subtle thing. But even when they're showing the little mini turtles and they're teenagers, he even was wearing like a full bandana over his head. But it was some random like black and white bandana he had on. Yeah, made him look like the tough guy, the the rebel of the group. And he hit all those notes very well. He's arguing with Leonardo throughout the movie. Uh, there's even a point where he actually has to go out and fight on his own. I mean, that's just like the Ninja Turtles from when we were younger. There's a point in that movie where Raphael has to be the one guy alone to save the day. They brought that back in this movie, which I thought was a fantastic thing to do. Yeah, Michelangelo nailed him. Fantastic. Uh, it, it a little, it was a little out of my generation. You know, there's a lot of things he's talking. I'm like, oh, these stupid fucking kids this is how they talk but that's what he should be you know it shouldn't be the same michelangelo that i remember when i was younger that was bumping out of things in the late 80s and early 90s that's what i would have expected for me but this isn't for me michael bay has said himself he makes movies for teenage boys so michelangelo is representing those teenage boys very well i could have done without him dancing to holla batgirl but that's fine (laughs) yeah that would have been a good uh removal maybe a deleted scene that you put on there if people really enjoy it but Mm -hmm. yeah Especially when it was during this really serious moment when they're revealing the the past of how the turtles came together and grew up. <laughs> it was very, very bad timing. But Michelangelo overall done very well. I loved a lot of his one-liners. Um, I, I think my favorite part of the whole movie, and one of the few parts of the whole movie that screamed fun, because when I call back to Guardians of the Galaxy last week, that movie just screams fun. Everything about that movie was fun. This movie lacked a lot of that fun factor, but if it did have it, it came from Mikey. And in the one scene I think it showed the most was when they're gearing up for their final battle. And they're all in the elevator, riding the elevator up to the top. And Mike's like, DJ Mikey, in the house. And he starts clacking his little uh, nunchucks. And you expect the other turtles just to look at him like, oh, God, Mikey's at it again. But one by one, they all start joining in and getting in the little drum circle. And eventually even Leonardo is like, nah, what the hell? And he starts clanging his swords with it. Yeah. (laughs) It's really good timing. Tony and I actually said after the movie – I think he was the one who brought it up in the parking lot that he's like, that should have been Go Ninja. <laughs> I, the way that they were doing that song, I thought that they were building up to a quick reference of that. Like in my head, I'm sitting there going, Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go. And I'm like, fuck, this song is awesome. <laughs> it really is after all this time. The music from the old films is still great. You know, the. Yeah, I could deal without Vanilla Ice. I'm good. <laughs> Um, another great line from Mikey was when they first see April, April O'Neil on the rooftop and Raphael gets in her face all tough. He's like, give us the camera. And Mike's like, oh, he's doing his Batman voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but Mikey saved the, the fun factor in this movie. And the other person, well, the only one that's left. And I think a lot of people are actually surprising me with saying that it was their favorite of this movie was Donatello. And he was a fantastic role in this as well. I love the updates they gave him. His Google Glass version 10 that he had on was awesome. The staff was awesome, especially that first moment when they're doing that downhill sequence. And he uses the staff to prop that car to flip upside down. And even yeah. he knows it's awesome. He's sitting there like, oh, wow. Like, just having a total stoner moment as he's seeing the car fly over him. Yeah. And snorts. Um, yeah. The- the, the whole Turtle crew was fantastic, and the way they worked together as a team, not just individually where they were great, they were great as a team. And that was something that I'm glad that they nailed so well, is that these guys worked together to figure out these little situations and the big situations alike. 
And I think I'm running over time on this, so we'll move on to the next character. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty sure that all the turtles get a hit from us. Yes. Yep. Uh, we also have on you know, the main core of the team, Splinter. This one, on the other hand, I'm going to give a big miss to. I thought the look of the character was really childish and really fake looking. I mean, the turtles, of course, are fake too, but the turtles, at least, they looked realistic in the sense that in this universe, I could picture them being mutated turtles. And yeah, I could picture Splinter being a mutated rat, but I could picture him more being a CGI mutated rat. And another thing I really didn't like about him Tony Shalhoub does not have the voice for Splinter. Maybe I'm spoiled a little bit on whoever it was that did Splinter's voice back in the old original films, because that, to me, just seems so much more uh, wise and a little sense of, um, like, a a regal touch to him. And this was just awkward. I hated his voice in this movie. It was cool to see him be a badass and to fight people and actually be able to contribute that way instead of being a frail old rat kind of a thing. But big miss for Splinter to me. I think that they should have stuck with Danny Woodburn. He probably would have had a much better voice. And then they should have had somebody do the uh, the character model a little bit differently too. What do you think, Sam? Hit or miss? I'm going to give it a general middle of the road tilting to miss. Mostly I agree. I didn't really care for his voice too much. Maybe it's like you said that I'm a little spoiled from having the movies in the nineties and I just could not get over his Fu Manchu mustache. Like if he's a mutated rat, then why does he have that like mustache and beard kind of a thing? Like, whiskers would have made a lot more sense like even if they wanted to make the whiskers kind of look like a mustache that would have okay like i get that but like to actually give him facial hair was really confusing and how he had his uh hair like tied up into that little tiny ponytail like it just didn't make sense to me i i would generally give him a miss but the only thing that's not just saying like oh yeah i hated him was his fight scene with shredder what do you think, Peyton? I would probably be about the same, around the middle, but erring a little bit to the side of Miss. The the whole facial hair thing didn't bother me as much. There have been other incarnations of the Mutant Ninja Turtles that have had him with uh, some type of facial hair, so it, it makes sense. He's the wise old man to me, but it, other than that, the model looked terrible. It was ugly. Why was it so like shiny? It looked like he was covered in scabs. It 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 looked so fake compared to everything else. I mean, I know a lot of this was CGI, but he just looked awful. I, I don't know what they did with that model, but it did not look good at all compared to everything else they had going on there. I mean, he's not in the movie very much, so you don't have to spend too much time with him. But oh my goodness, it it that was a miss. Now that I'm thinking about it more and more, Splinter was a miss, and. I don't know. I really didn't feel a whole lot of sympathy for him during that scene where he's getting beat up and all the other turtles are racing for him. I thought that was well done when they're closing the gates and the turtles are trying to get to him while he's getting beat up by Shredder. But I don't know. He's he could have been done a lot better. Part of me actually kind of wanted him to die in that scene. Yeah, that, that yeah. probably would have made it better. I was expecting him to. I figured maybe they could bond April and the turtles together because they both lost their fathers. 
kind of a thing. I mean, I'm this not has to be disappointed. A franchise. Yeah, I'm not disappointed that he didn't die, but I wouldn't have been disappointed if he died either. Then there's April, who I'll give credit where credit's due. A lot of Megan Fox people are just vehemently against the idea of her being in any movie. And when they announced that she was going to be April, there was a huge backlash of, fuck her, she can't do the job, whatever. She was not as bad as people made her out to be. I think she did a pretty damn good job. She's not, you know, going to win Academy Awards for this performance or anything like that, but nobody's going to win an Academy Award for any performance in this movie. So it's not like she's really in like a gone with the wind kind of a situation. It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And she did her job perfectly fine. There was no spot in the entire movie where I was really just kind of face palming and thinking to myself, God damn it, they could have had somebody better for this. She's hot. She looked like April O'Neil. She did the job and whatever the scenes she needed to do. Perfectly fine for me. I'm giving her a hit. Peyton? Yeah, I'd hit that. (laughs) (laughs) i have a few qualms with the april o'neill character and none of them are actually due to megan fox i actually think she did a very adequate job i completely believe that she was this incarnation of april o'neill a lot of my problems with the april o'neill character was the writing and specifically that there was just too goddamn much of her just too much like that first half hour of the movie is like all april o'neill and i get that You want to start it at a humanistic level and then let us get introduced to the Turtles that way. Once again, going back to the first Turtles movie, we started off with April O'Neil, but she gets saved by the Turtles. And then we follow the Turtles into the sewers from then on. And then April O'Neil pops in as she's needed, as opposed to this, where we see the Turtles for five seconds. And then we're spending all this time with April O'Neil trying to convince her stalker and her boss that she's not crazy that she's seen these Turtles. I just did not dig that at all. Uh, I once again, I like the whole backstory they added to her with her father having been one of the creators of the turtles and her knowing them as little pets i thought that was a neat little extra to throw in there going forward i'm hoping that she will remain actually i think she fit that role very well i like how they included the yellow jacket that was a nice touch uh but just less of her you know if they make a second movie more turtles less april uh and more casey jones yes yes (laughs) sam yeah, speaking of Casey Jones, there was no reference to him whatsoever, and I got upset over that. Um, as Actually, far as April, before we get before we get your thoughts on uh, April, let's just throw that out real quick because it was something that you and I talked about before. Uh, I mean, not before, after we had seen the movie last night. Yeah. The idea that we were bouncing around was when they mentioned the vigilante idea. It could have been such an easy throwaway line that they could have done, where they just said something about. You mean that guy with the hockey mask? And it would have thrown out this idea that there's this other guy in New York who's been fighting the Foot Clan that nobody has been able to get a picture of, and that it's Casey Jones. Or he could have even, I think this was your uh, suggestion, after the Vigilante thing with the, the Ninja Turtles and whatever, they could have had, at the very end, some kind of a quick reference of like people are being inspired by the Ninja Turtles, and fighting back and whatever and maybe you see somebody with like a hockey mask on or something like that would have been really cool i think casey jones was missing in this movie yeah so you you want to tie together that in april because um and then i'll go back to you Peyton, about your thoughts with casey too if you want to uh yeah would that would have been something that could have helped april out if she would have had 
Casey Jones as her backup person instead of Vernon? Or was April fine the way she was in this movie and we'll deal with that later or something? Um, I didn't really feel a need for Vern. I think it was you who said that he was actually a character from the comics. I mean, that's fine, but he just felt like he was just a side character. And that's all he really was. He didn't need any more or less. His hitting on was a little creepy, but eh, as like a jokey, like, hey, look, this guy keeps hitting on April and never gets anywhere with it. Ha ha. As far as April is concerned, though, where I was afraid with Megan Fox is actually what happened with a different character. I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to see April. I was afraid that on screen I would just look at her and I would just see Megan Fox. And I wouldn't be able to get past that. And she was a pleasant surprise. She she wasn't some like Oscar-nominated performance, but she did what she needed to do. I think like Peyton said, the only issues that I would have had were script-wise where there was just too much April. But um, I couldn't have pictured anybody being in that role who would have been better. I think the only person who really pulled me out of the movie was Whoopi Goldberg for a second. <laughs> Peyton. Yeah, what do you think about the, the Casey Jones kind of thing, Peyton? Oh. And Vernon, for that fact. Okay, yeah, let's just, let's just throw that all together. Uh, Vern was absolutely unnecessary. The, the only good thing that I liked Vern being in this whole movie was during that excellent uh, sliding down the snowy hill scene where Leonardo, April, and Vern fall off the edge. And I think it was Mike or maybe it was Donnie. I, I, I think it was Mike Elangelo who was like, no, Leo, April, other guy. He was so young. Yeah. <laughs> like even the movie admits that the guy was just a worthless side character. And you're right, Sam. He should only be a side character. And back in the Ninja Turtles cartoons, he was in those as well. But he was just the camera guy. That's all he was. You only saw him when April was out on assignment and she needed her camera guy. Otherwise, right. you you would have never known his name. You would never have known he existed. I there was no reason for him to be speaking. Yeah, exactly. Um, Whoopi Goldberg was fine, I guess, if not just really generic and unnecessary to get someone like Whoopi Goldberg into that role. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm fine that they gender bended the character. I mean, you, you figure they're going to do at least something like that with one character, and if it's going to be a meaningless character, it doesn't really matter. But Whoopi Goldberg, fine, whatever. It, it did. She barely said anything in the entire goddamn movie, so that's fine. Uh, Casey Jones, though, why was he not in this movie? I think that's something that could have filled so many gaps where I was just feeling lulls in this movie. If we had, if not him, then some other character. I mean, there's so many awesome characters in the world of Ninja Turtles. I get you're not going to bring Krang in. You don't want to have Shredder and Krang in the first movie. You want to save something like that for later on. Uh, what about Baxter Stockman? I mean, apparently he is in this movie. I don't remember seeing him. I'm thinking he was one of the scientists when they were in the lab. Uh, but he is a credited part in the movie, but I couldn't tell you who the really? heck he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I oh, actually shit. told Tony afterward that I thought Eric Sachs could have easily just been replaced with Baxter Stockman. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I was looking through the IMDb and I was like, but, but Baxter Stockman? Who, where the hell was he? <laughs> who was that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think another character they could have pulled from that universe would have made this significantly better. And Casey Jones would have been the perfect one. He was one of the best characters out of the first movie. And a lot of that had to do with the actor and it had a lot to do with how it was written, but it's really tough to write a character that's that awesome poorly. So I think that would have added a lot to this if they just had one extra little sidekick buddy, but I guess room to grow in a possible sequel. If there's going to be a sequel, uh, we'll, we'll probably debate that a little later on, but 
I really hope they didn't just save all their guns for a later movie and just left this one lacking. That's really weird. I did not know that Baxter was in this movie. But maybe... me, let's roll. I mean, I would be surprised if they kept the same actor if they brought him back. Maybe they could build upon this and really have, like, the sequel... I mean, they threw the references out there of the alien origin of the ooze, so you could always bring Krang into there in Dimension X and whatever. Um, and they teased at the end that Shredder's still alive, which is good. Mm-hmm. So maybe they can bring Baxter back, and maybe they can do something with Casey Jones and maybe not Vernon anymore. Uh, and fuck, maybe they even keep Whoopi Goldberg and have her in one fucking scene. I thought that it was weird as hell seeing her, but I do like the idea that they gender bended the character like that. Bernadette Thompson seems like a much better idea than Burn Thompson. And how many more yeah. people do you need of like the, the angry kind of boss dude stereotype? So, yeah, it was yeah. fine, but it was Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, it was fucking Whoopi Goldberg. Like, yeah. at least try to change her hair or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> Sequel idea. Right, she like... gets infected with the ooze and becomes Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> Ooh, that's actually a really cool idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to think of the next step. Bebop and Rocksteady are going to be named Bebop and Rocksteady because of the music that they're going to be singing in Sister Act. <laughs> <laughs> But they got to do Bebop and Rocksteady. And you can have Baxter Stockman involved. And that can actually be... Like, you can make a, a trilogy out of this. And you can do whatever they did with this movie, which is already said and done. The sequel could be kind of like adding more allies to the cause. And this is a little bit like what the um, Secrets of the U.S. movie was. A little bit of a ripoff of it, but it worked. You have the Bebop and Rocksteady created by a Baxter Stockman character... Shredder's got rejuvenated life, and you bring Casey Jones involved uh, into the mix. Now, they brought in Kino, I think was his name. Yeah. Instead of Casey, for some reason, but Casey needs to be in this sequel. And he can obviously be the love interest for April, because that's, you know, how it works. Um, another thing that would be really good about the sequel, we won't get Eric Sachs. Uh, that character, to me... Like we said, sucked. Uh, yeah. Did he die? I don't even remember because I didn't care I, about him enough to Yeah, know. I, I remember him leaving with that briefcase, and I don't remember what happened to him after that. Um, uh, Vernon <laughs> Vernon hit him with something. Oh, that's right. He hit him on the head with a te- uh, microscope. Um, microscope. He might not have died. I'm guessing he just but, got arrested, so he could probably be broken out of prison if they need him again. He might have died God, in, like, not. the the big, like, fire kind of um, explosion thing. No. Hmm. I hope he did, because this character was stupid. And you know what really bothered me about it, too? A lot of people were going with the idea that he was going to be Shredder because of the name Eric Sachs, and that that's close to Oroku Usaki. They didn't need to do that. And you went out of your way to name a character Sachs? Like, <laughs> was it just because you thought that it was funny? Sax Industries. You could have named the character anything in the world, and you name it something that is that kids you, are gonna you, make fun of. You could have named him like Timothy Balls, basically. It's a rich guy's name. Sax. <laughs> Just uh, generic villain. Uh, and we were joking after the movie. You know, 
whenever that guy I can't pronounce his last name Fichtner I think or Fichtner mm-hmm. I never I never know for sure um, whenever he's in a movie like you would think that the characters would just go yeah you look like a fucking villain because he's never a fucking hero in it or anything yeah the very first scene that uh, April and uh, Eric are together in that big party or whatever it is like he just screams out villain yeah, I think it was like the first thing he said at that – or the, no, it was the last thing he said at that press conference that he was doing in the beginning of the movie where he's like, if someone lights a fire to my city, I will be there to put it out. And I'm like, that's kind of a dark analogy, but uh, OK, OK. Yeah, so I was not digging that character. He's a miss for me. Uh, Peyton, what do you think about Sax? You know – I get this feeling that the guy who played him is actually a very good actor. Mm. So I don't want to take too many hits off him. But again, I think this might be another victim of writing. I think they should have done more with that character to keep us on our toes. I think that it was way too obvious that he was going to be a villain. And it was revealed that he was a villain way too early. Either you should have played it out longer and had him reveal he was a villain in the end. Or make it seem like he was a villain. But in the end, actually be someone who's working for the greater good. But the way they did it was just typical cliche and a complete waste of what could have been a much better spot for Baxter Stockman or Casey Jones or anyone else we could have dedicated screen time to someone better. Sam, hit or miss? Definitely a miss. I mean, the trailers set him up to be Shredder. I don't understand the point of that. Did they just want to upset people and then when they actually went to see the movie, they're like, oh, look, he isn't Shredder. I, I don't get that. They com- they had him, like, walking towards the Shredder armor in the trailers, and then just someone in the Shredder suit with, like, the blades and stuff. So, like, I didn't see a point to, like, teasing that he was Shredder. The fact that his name was the Americanized or, like, what would you call it, like, uh, Latinized version of Orokusaki. All signs pointed to this is Shredder. And it's like, okay, you whitewashed Shredder for no reason. And then he's not even Shredder in the movie. Like, the Shredder that we all know and love is the actual character. It just felt like there was no point. Baxter Stockman could have been that guy. He could have been the face of a company who was working with Shredder. Done deal. I believe that. True to the characters. I could have walked away from that movie liking it a little bit better than getting a a decent actor to play a just a part that I didn't think was necessary for the movie. And like I said before, it seemed like his whole goal throughout the movie was rich man wants to be richer. If he was like, if his company was worth like maybe a couple million and he wanted to be like this billionaire, that would make sense. But he had a mansion and he had a helicopter pad in his backyard. He has, he's the, he's the name of Saks Industries. He has a, huge fucking skyscraper in new york city for his company this guy already seems like he's a billionaire he is very well off how much more money does he need like it's like tony stark saying that i'm gonna do something because it's gonna make me a ton of money it's like you're tony stark you don't need more money bruce wayne doesn't need more money to be bruce wayne eric Sachs did not need to do all this for money it just it was an empty goal at the end 
and I guess they tried to make it seem like he did it out of loyalty for Shredder raising him, but they didn't emphasize that point enough. And they didn't emphasize what Shredder even wanted with this. Like, he's going to rule New York City because you're going to poison it and then cure it, and then this guy will make money. What is your reward at the end of that? Well, for that matter, they didn't emphasize Shredder all that much. Yeah, and that, like, weird Asian sidekick girl of his. But I, I think that's supposed to be his daughter. Um, I don't think Karai is. She is an, a previously made-up character, though. She's not. Yeah, I remember he had a daughter, though, didn't he? Uh, I can't remember about that. Do you, do you remember any of that, Peyton? No, I just got the impression that she was just some lackey of his. Okay. But, like, uh, is the next thing we're going to talk about the Foot Clan? Because I really want to bitch about them next. Yeah, the Shredder, Foot Clan, Karai, like, all them together. What do you think about them? Oh, my God. I think the one of, other than the Turtles and April not failing like I thought she was going to, one of my favorite parts of the movie was the fight scenes with Shredder. I actually loved Shredder. The fact that they said, like, we're going to take your armor to the next level. It's like, well, they showed earlier in the movie that the turtles can move those giant crates, like, by themselves. So obviously they are very strong. And I think they even showed, even when Leonardo, when he jumped and he landed, like, on that rooftop, he cracked some of the concrete. Like, they're, they're powerful beings. So you can't just have a master martial artist fight them. It's just, it wouldn't be real to me if you did that. So the fact that they made his armor, like, not, not a mech, but close to it, it upped his strength enough that his martial arts mastery on top of that made him just whoop their ass the entire movie, and I loved it. So Shredder was actually a big hit for me, and I love the fact that his blades popped out and then like would magnetically come back. I, I actually thought that was kind of cool. Um, Cry, I just... Okay, female lackey. Other than that, kind of like the big dude from the original Turtles movies. What was his name? Tatsu, I think. Tatsu, yeah. It's basically just a female Tatsu. That's all I saw it as. And then the Foot Clan was just absolutely terrible. Maybe I'm romanticizing the Foot Clan from, like, the 90s movies and, like, the cartoons, but they were actually more martial arts-esque, I guess you would say. Here they just kind of seemed like not even a gang, like a mini terrorist cell. Like, they wore those really weird face masks. They wore, like, ninja-esque suits, but then they just had guns, and they didn't really fight. Like, I know in the 90s movies they were basically, like, adopting kids— into the gang, but if you remember, like, they were training them in martial arts anyway. Like, they had these huge, like, arenas where they were training to be a member of the Foot Clan. Here it just seemed like guy with gun, guy shoots gun, turtles beat up guys, end. I didn't care about the Foot Clan. They were just guys with guns who were, they were basically just there. I felt like they were just thrown in there and called the Foot Clan. I don't, I don't believe that they were the Foot Clan. I mean, obviously they were. It's not like I think, oh, well, we're going to see the real Foot Clan in the second <laughs> Turtles movie. But they just, they weren't the Foot Clan to me. They were, they were a complete waste, and I think they were a huge miss for the movie. But Shredder is definitely a huge hit for the movie. And then the, uh, I always forget her name, but the the female, like head of the Foot 
she I didn't care about her either. She was a miss. Maybe if they hear enough people complain about it, they could do something in the sequel where like Shredder had this group of people in the Foot Clan that were like like the Americanized troops. And well, Americans always used guns, so that's why they had guns, but they didn't get the job done. So let me bring in my elite pack of people that are actually like the martial artists and stuff. That might be a way to get around it. I would like that. Well, when it comes to Shredder, Karai, the Foot Clan, and that whole group of people, what do you think about that, Peyton? Hit or miss? Well, we'll talk about our main villain syndicate. The Foot Clan was an utter disappointment. When I think back of the Foot Clan of old, it was this really mythological group with awesome fighting skills and this really great feeling of almost like a family outside of just being this crime syndicate they were these people who took each other as brothers and they protected each other and they shared knowledge with each other and they shared living space and items with each other you know they what was that one thing the kid gave up like a walkman to give up some cigarette to get some cigarettes or something like that like they they had their own society amongst each other this not at all i mean there is like no difference between the foot clan and like isis to to make it a little like current event wise there that there's that one scene where they're like this is what i'm going to unleash in the world and they just grab one of the random foots and shove poison down his mouth it's like (laughs) why why do any of these guys want to stick around after they did something like that like why do you want to keep working for these guys (laughs) Uh, yeah that that was really poorly done uh karai was a complete waste uh just another stupid character that they could have dedicated screen time to somebody better um and for that matter, I thought she got a, like I thought she got taken out like halfway through the movie, when she called him out in the subway. Didn't they like take out all those guys and tie them up with rope and shit like that? How did she escape that? They never really explained that very well. That's true. Because ninjutsu. Yeah. Okay. I never got. <laughs> I really never Basically. even got any kind of impression that she knew how to fight or any of the the, the freaking Foot Clan people knew how to fight. Um, yeah. The the freaking putties from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fought better than they did. <laughs> I was thinking the putties. Um, Shredder. Oh boy. Uh, I have to, I have to kind of go in the opposite direction of Sam on, on Shredder. I, I really did not like him. Um, I thought the suit looked cool and I like the idea of what they were doing. I think they just overplayed that one trick that he had of popping those blades out and shooting a minute out of his, his knuckles. Yes. Like, I thought Shredder was so awesome as a martial artist. And I get what Sam Sam makes a very good point, that if you make the Turtles a little bit more superhuman, you have to make something more for them to contend against. Well, you kind of put yourself into that hole. But the way I see it, you either have to go all the way with it or nothing. My favorite scene with Shredder was that first scene where he's sitting there all tied up and the guy goes to fight him and he just like grabs his arm under his chin and like breaks his arm and takes him down, all while keeping his hands and feet tied behind his back. That was yeah. super badass. I never got a feeling that he used those skills all that time he was in the suit. I never really saw him as any kind of great fighter while he's in the suit. He's just using his big, beefy arms because of the armor while people are throwing fists at him. And then when he gets a chance, throw out his blades. Really? I kind of saw it. I mean, he would, like, kick and jump and flip and stuff like that. Maybe it was just happening too fast for me to notice. Yeah. But. I don't know. I needed more out of it than just robotic Wolverine. If you were going to put him in this big fancy suit, go further with it. Have him pop out some other weapons. Have him pop out some rockets. Have him be able to have a jetpack come out of him and fly all over the place. Like, do more with it if you're going to go that route. So I'm kind of like torn in this spot in the middle where it wasn't enough 
and it was also too much. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed with that character. And for that matter, I'm disappointed with his relationship with, um, with Splinter was eradicated. Because I like that story about him watching him train fighting and learning his moves while watching him fight. I thought that was a great little story to have for him. But yeah, give and take. I mean, like I said, I also like that story with uh, with April and Neil finding him. So you could have found a way to work them both. But I guess it was easier just to do it that way. Overall, I think Shredder was a big miss. And if they want to keep him as something going forward, which it looks like they do because at the end of the movie, we get the tease that he's not quite done. Right. I think they need to retcon some stuff or at least have him come back with some more improvements to that suit. So you brought up the idea of the action and it was still a little bit too tough to follow. I kind of agree in certain um, extent. It really felt like a Transformers movie to me. Oh, and especially because of Shredder. Like there, there were some sound effects that happened while Shredder was fighting that sounded like they were right out of a Transformers movie. And the you, slow you know, like motion goes, boop, too. Boop, 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 boop. Oh my god, the slow motion was so overdone, especially for his blades flying through the air. Yeah. Yeah. Screw that. Yeah, that's a bit of a miss for me too because even though that action has its place and it it serves its purpose in some ways, that is better for like a Transformers kind of movie and not for this one. And even right. in the Transformers movie, it's tough to tell the people apart. And the turtles have these distinct things about them in this film. You know, the we got like the hip hop kind of a um, garment that Michelangelo is wearing. Oh yeah, and that was got... actually I forgot to mention is that not even just their clothes, but like in all incarnations that I've seen, it's just like the generic same turtle with like color coding on them. But here, oh, not some even of them just don't their... even have that. Yeah. The original Turtles just all wore red. Yeah. Yeah. I did like in this one that it's not only the clothes, but if even if they removed all of the little garments they had on them, you could still tell which turtle was which. Right. But what was odd is when uh, when it was in the middle of the action sequences, so much extra crap is flying around that you can't see that as much. Yeah. You know, when the the snow is covering half the screen, I can't tell if it's Donatello that's punching somebody or Leonardo. So that is something that I, I, was, I would say is a miss. It's not the biggest miss in the world. It wasn't something that I'm watching that and I'm just completely thrown out of it because I could tell it's just a bunch of CGI thrown on my screen like the uh, past couple Transformers things. But I, I'd say I was disappointed in that. Um, and that's, that combines both the structuring of the action sequences and the special effects themselves. What do you think about that, Sam? Hit or miss? I'll agree with you. I mean, the action sequences were hit or miss individually. As a whole, I actually liked the action. The downhill slope was really cool, but I agree that it just seemed there was too much going on. But the fights with Shredder, again, just... They actually kind of blew me away sometimes. Not the initial fight with Splinter. That just kind of was to show him off a little bit. But that last scene where he's trying to release the gas and the turtles are after him and he basically whoops their ass and they're just like, all right, what do we do? Let's try this. Doesn't work. All right, let's try this. Doesn't work. I was actually liking that. It was showing just how powerful Shredder actually is. And I I don't know if I liked it or not when they were like, do you want to play Buck Buck? And like, what do you mean? Oh, Buck Buck. Like, okay, a little nod to their childhood games they would play. But that somehow being the key to defeating Shredder, it could have 
could have been different. And I maybe it was, again, nostalgia setting in. But when he fell off the thing for the last time and crashed down to the ground, I was really kind of hoping he would fall into a dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> but but Casey Jones wouldn't have been there to hit it. True. <laughs> what if that would have been the only time in the movie Casey Jones popped up? <laughs> like he's just a fucking garbage man in this one. He's just kind of like, oh, whoops. I'm Casey Jones. See you guys in the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still played by, what's his name? Uh, Elias uh, Kotias or whatever. Is he in, like in his 50s now? Yeah. Or something? <laughs> That'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> Hit or miss for the uh, special effects and the action scenes, Peyton. I'm actually going to give it a pass on that one. Uh, there, there's some action scenes that were kind of bleh. Uh, that that first fight scene, as, as Sam said, with Splinter and and Shredder was pretty meh. Uh, the only thing I really liked about it, as I pointed out before, was when all the other turtles are trying to get to him and he's closing down the gates. Like, no, master, master. And they have to figure out their way to pry their way inside. I thought that and, was kind of. And then they started yelling like father. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of started to tear me up a little bit. Like, it, ah, the, man. Yeah. Who, who brought onions into the theater? Oh, God. <laughs> uh that that downhill sequence though i thought was superb and it was kind of awkward because we're in this movie in new york city and all of a sudden we're in like the french alps i don't really know how that where, where were they supposed to be do you know no idea because i live around to, this they seem area. to be able to drive there were they in the poconos i i don't know there, there's not really anything that looks quite like that in a quick drivable distance from new york city I mean, if, if you go like a couple hours away, you can get into like the Hudson Valley or like certain parts of Pennsylvania. But there, there's nothing on that in like Westchester County or Long Island or anything directly out of New York City that they would have gotten to. So yeah. I have no idea where the crap they were. So that that, that kind of took me out of it a little bit, mostly just because you know, I'm from this area and I'm trying to figure that out. But that downhill scene was choreographed so well. Just the timing of everything going with it, uh, the way they're bobbing and weaving underneath the trucks, uh, the timing of all their weapons taking out all the other trucks, uh, and even all the way up until the very end of it when they're going off the hill. They, like, they kept the tension high, they popped in a little bit of humor when they needed to to keep it light, and it was a very fun scene. And it's a shame that the rest of the movie didn't have that same kind of feeling to, the, to it. Uh, the special effects were all fine. I mean, we're, we're at a point in history where it's very tough to make a special effect not look good if you're u- even if you're using all CGI, uh, except on a splitter. And I said before, a splinter looked terrible. Um, yeah. Shredder, for all my qualms about him and his suit, his suit looked great. It, it looked fantastic. It looked intimidating. It, it looked like a force to be reckoned with. So they did a great job with that. And the character models in general of everything they made uh, – New York City looked cool. It, I, I like the darker look they gave New York City in the original movie, which is funny because this is supposed to be the darker movie, but it looked a lot darker in the the eighties movie or the not well, God, what year did that movie come out? Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Eh, it's still the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I actually have to give it a full pass on that one. There's not perfect. There's things to complain about, but you know, seven point five to eight out of ten. All right, so. Uh, some other little things just to throw out there, little hits and misses and everything. We mentioned the music earlier with the elevator scene and uh, the ninja rap, whatever. Um, that was a fun scene. I think we all kind of give that a hit. But I'm going to give a miss to the end track in the credits. Ugh. That yeah. sucked. And, and for that matter, no post credit sequence. Yeah, Marvel's kind of spoiled movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could have been just even something as simple as like 
that shot of Shredder's uh, finger getting the ooze, even that with him gripping it would have been enough and not being at, at, uh, in that part of the movie itself. Yeah. But I guess they kind of figured this is more of a kid's movie than anything else. And the Marvel ones have that built-in idea that you stay. And maybe even parents don't do that necessarily with those kids. But with this one, they probably a lot of the parents just want to leave, you know. So, yeah. I'll give them a little bit of credit with that. But that end credit music just didn't do it for me. And the T-U-R-T-L-E power song, it's fucking great. So they needed to put uh, something at least on par or better than that for me to not be a little bit disappointed. I was disappointed with the music. Um, and the music during the, the film itself, just the score just didn't really do much for me. That was a couple times. It was a little annoying and, it, and mostly I didn't pay any attention to it at all. So I'm not going to be, you know, buying that soundtrack or whatever. Hit or miss. What do you think about the music guys? Baden? I honestly don't remember most of the music. Um, I, I mean, it's once again coming off a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy where the music played such a big impact on it. I usually don't think that songs in a movie play that much of a part of it, and that's coming as a movie maker. I, I Sound is a very big thing, but music, especially discernible music of songs you know, is usually not. And the songs that I actually was able to discern – while watching this, I fucking hate it. <laughs> like that credit song, like you you said. Uh, oh my god, Holla Back Girl. When they were and it was so loud when Holla Back Girl came on, I was like, oh, why'd you have to freaking mix it so loud? <laughs> oh, it hurts. Um, I, I I can't really think of much other than that. I mean, I guess I'm just gonna give it a fail. Just a fail on the music. Sam. Yeah, same. It was a miss for me. I didn't like the uh, the end credits songs i think the only one i actually enjoyed was the little elevator scene i don't even know if that counts and i didn't like the song in the end sequence when they're driving away and mikey is like singing to april and like trying to serenade her oh you know that song is by a band called the turtles yeah the happy together <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i thought it was kind of funny but i and actually one thing that wasn't even brought up i not really on topic with music, but just in that sequence. I was happy that we got to see a glimpse of the turtle van. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Um, but overall, music didn't like it. Something that I think, for the most part, was a hit in this movie was uh, the inclusion of pizza. They didn't yeah. need to go over the top with it, so that's why I'm glad that they only had like two scenes really where they talked about pizza. But they even made it kind of the reason why they like pizza so much is because that's what April fed them as a little special treat. I thought that that was a nice little nod. Yeah. And God damn it. That pizza looked fucking good. And that's the reason why I'm going to eat pizza hut tonight. Specifically it worked. That product placement worked for me. The whole 99 cheese pizza thing. That was hilarious. Donnie's (laughs) like, he's something like that. That combination of cheese is culinarily impossible. And he's like, Oh, (laughs) He's like, I'm going to break, guys. Don't break. I'm going to do it. And Splinter starts running down each one. Like, Asiago, Swiss, and of course, mozzarella. And whatever oh, the, yeah, one, I know. That... The, other, the other one that he said, and he was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good scene. That was a good yeah. way to incorporate the pizza in there. So that's a hit for me. Hit for you guys, too? 
God damn, pizza? I want Pizza Hut now. Yeah, and they, they even uh, played up the one thing where they uh, are slicing up the pizza with the weapons, and one of the slices falls on Splinter's head. Yeah, they just yeah. That it's off. like a mainstay you gotta have. Right. Oh, but, I don't know if we could talk about this. Blatant fan service is way too much in this movie. Some, yeah, some parts of this, holy shit. That one fucking line that Vernon says. The heroes uh, in a half shell line? Yeah, yeah that oh, was just unnecessary. Struggled to get that out. Didn't or or the one Megan Fox says, so you're mutant teenage ninja turtles or whatever that was. She completely just flood, fudged up the name. Yeah. Uh, well, when you put it that way, then it's stupid. Sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, when you put it anyway, it sounds stupid. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will like that they put this line in here, but I also think it was forced and really cheesy to have it in there, is when Vern and April are driving to Sachs Estate, I believe it was, and he's like, oh, what are they, aliens? She's like, no, of course they're not aliens. That would be stupid. It's like, okay. I actually thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I figured most people would like it, but I... I it was just unnecessary. Why even bring it? It, it was unnecessary, but just with the whole backlash they got for that, I, I chuckled at it. I won't lie. The uh, the line with the teenage ninja mutant turtle things, I think that they could have pulled that off if Whoopi Goldberg had said it mm. and nobody else. If she would have been like, so you guys are what you are and you know, cut that line out from April and then April's explaining it and Whoopi's just like, you realize how fucking stupid this is? You're telling me that these teenage mutant ninja turtle things are whatever. Then that could have came off as like, yeah, that does sound stupid. Yeah. Not her being like, so you guys are turtle ninja teenage mutants? Yeah. Uh, is that the order? Like, you know. So that, yeah, the fan service was really bad in that. And you could tell that the people that were writing this are fans of the source material because they included stuff like the um, the scene of the the pizza landing on Splinter's head or the turtle van and you know they did that kind of there's actually the Utram references in the the painting which I'm not too familiar with that so I can't really explain it that much but it's something about the whole Krang and Shredder connection mm-hmm. um, so they've got that in like that big painting mural thing that. Um, Sachs has in his mansion. Yeah. Um, so they do have their their background stuff, and they do have you know that we mentioned a couple different times alien origin of this ooze. So that's probably going to bring in Dimension X and whatever it, as a way to to do fan service. But they did hit a couple things really too hard. That heroes in a half shell line was really awful, and it comes out of the, nowhere too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would you it. ever say heroes in a half shell? That was just that was that was low. <laughs> yeah, I think it would have made more sense if the turtles had said it. Yeah, if Michelangelo would have, re- have referred to himself as that or something. Yeah, and, and even the way they pointed like, out Cowabunga, where like Raphael's like, Mikey, what's that thing you used to say all the time? Yeah, yeah, say it now, Cowabunga. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of liked that, where he's like, you know that thing I you said when we were kids that I told you never to say again. He's like, yeah. He's like, all right say it he goes like all right i've had this one bottled up you guys and then he says it like i'm like all right i liked that and i did like when raf said it at the very end i'll I'll give them that that at least i liked i can understand if somebody didn't like it but at least for me that it tickled my funny bone a little bit (laughs) so what other little kind of things do you want to take shots at or give praise to payton uh, one thing I definitely want to give praise to is that opening sequence where it was drawn like a comic book. 
I thought that was really well done. I thought it looked awesome, and I liked getting the origin story of the turtles that way. I thought that was done excellently. And also, I want to point out that I saw this movie in 3D, uh, just because the showtime was more convenient, not because I necessarily wanted to see it in 3D. But that part specifically looked awesome in 3D. Everything else just kind of like blended in. I don't know if anybody else get this, but eventually when I'm watching a movie in 3D, there gets to this point where I just don't see things in 3D anymore. Everything just looks kind of like flat. So most of the movie, I didn't even notice that I was seeing it in 3D. But that first part, oh, that looked fantastic in 3D. Um, I really think I got a lot of my gripes out of the way. I mean we praised how everything looked as far as the models and, and shredder and the fights, uh, the unnecessary screen time dedicated to characters that didn't need to be there. We could have had better people that that's really the big, big things you're going to come away from this movie. Sam, anything else you want to throw out there that we haven't mentioned yet? Three points that I can think of off the top of my head. One that I just thought was really funny was at the very end when they're doing the credits, and Raphael and Michelangelo pretend to be the breasts on the Victoria's Secret billboard. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Uh, another good one that I can think of is right before they start sliding down the slope, when they're—I don't know why. Like I guess maybe it went over, not over other people's heads, but like they just didn't pay attention to it. But I just thought it was funny. Was when they realized that they're bulletproof. <laughs> I just thought that that was kind of funny. But then one that I really didn't like, uh, I'm trying to remember it now, because it, it just slipped my mind. Hmm. Ah, crap, come back to me, I'll have to think about it. Alright, well, <laughs> I, I have something else I, want, I thought of, actually, I wanted to bring up. So, I don't always do it, but since this was a special movie for me, I wanted to get a little dressed up for the occasion. So, I have this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles hoodie that I freaking love, that I decided to wear to it. Plus, you know, it's a good idea to wear a hoodie in movie theaters because it's usually cold. Uh, but I was like, oh, that's really all I got. What else can I do? I had these green and yellow shoes. I'm like, oh, that looks kind of like a turtle. I'll put those on. It matches my jacket very well. And then I was looking through my shirts to try to find a good shirt to wear with this. And I grabbed an orange shirt that I had that I thought would be perfect to represent Michelangelo. And this shirt also happened to be a vintage-style Orange Crush t-shirt. Now, look at <laughs> I know, going nice. to see this movie, that Michelangelo not only would be giving severe product placement for Pizza Hut, but not one, but two references to Orange Crush as well. So that felt kind of cool. Yeah, I like as far that. as product placement funny. goes. Oh, I, re- I remember the one that I didn't like, actually, was at the very end when they're healing Splinter. And he's like, why isn't it working? And he's like, Michelangelo, come closer. <laughs> and then he's like, what'd he say? Get your knee off my chest. Oh, and then he and then he lifts up. Like, I actually kind of thought that was kind of stupid. I, I, I wasn't a fan of that. I could have gone without that joke. Yeah, give or take. It, it didn't offend me, but if they would have... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really nitpicking with that. Like, I think that, it's a good twist on the Yoda thing. Yeah. You should have just said there was another Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> just go ahead enter, and go for it. Enter yeah. Venus. That actually would have been I, I was I wasn't looking for it, but if April even if they didn't do it, because I didn't like the whole idea of Venus, but if they just had April go, wait a minute, wasn't there five of you? And they're like, Wait, were there? And she'd be like, No, no, it was four. Well wasn't Maybe it... even just something like that. Wasn't there another one named Rembrandt at some point? Really? 
I don't remember. I vaguely remember hearing that. Maybe it was like a fan fiction thing or something like that, but Rembrandt seems a little uh, familiar. God, I sure hope that's not canon. <laughs> well, they've had much, much worse stuff than just adding another turtle. If you look yeah. at the different villains and stuff, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But um, Final thoughts. Uh, if you had to say whether or not the movie itself is a hit or a miss, when you boil everything down, all the positive and all the negative, what would you say? Peyton? Uh, it's tough. I mean, like I said, last week I just saw Guardians of the Galaxy, and if I was going to recommend anybody to go see a movie in theaters, it's that one. It... If you're a huge Turtles fan, I, I guess it doesn't hurt to go see it, but I would say this is a red box movie. I mean, once upon a time, you had to see a movie like this in theaters to get the full experience of the big screen and the loud noises on the stereo, but most people have home theaters now. I would save the money. You know, see for a dollar what you would be seeing for $9 at a movie theater, if not more, depending on where you go. Uh, it's fine. It's not going to go down in history as the iconic representation of the turtles that I think a lot of the other things have, like the the first couple movies. And even for present day, as I said, that television series on Nickelodeon is one of the best things in the franchise's history and blows away this movie leaps and bounds. It was fine. It, it was a fine waste of an hour and a half, but it's not something I'm going to say, you have to see this movie now. It was amazing. Go, 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 go. No, I, I, I say, wait, wait, wait. You're going to say go ninja, go ninja, go. <laughs> Sam, hit or miss overall. Overall, taking everything into account, I'll give it a hit. It's not a huge hit. And if someone's going to say, okay, well, would you recommend we go see this in theaters? I'd say, okay, well, did you see Guardians of the Galaxy yet? Did you see Dawn of the Planet of the Apes yet? I'd even be inclined to say, well, did you see Lucy yet? I didn't see Lucy, but I heard people tore it apart. But I would at least run down a couple movies to be like, well, if you saw all those, go see Ninja Turtles. But if you haven't seen those, then definitely I would say wait for this and, like Payton said, maybe just uh, red box it. But I wouldn't tell people not to see it. I, I enjoyed it. I didn't expect too much going into it, and I came out, I came out entertained. So, and that's all it really should do. I am a bit on the fence because I can't quite decide which is more important. Did I like it or do I think other people will like it? If you were going to just tell me I have the overall control of whether or not this is a good movie or bad, I might lean a little bit more like maybe like a uh, given like a 49% kind of a thing, which is slightly on the, the miss scale. But maybe a 51%. I mean, it's really tough for me to kind of decide here. It is not my Ninja Turtles movie. And there's not going to be any kind of instance where somebody mentions Ninja Turtles and I think of anything in this movie. I'm immediately going to go back to the animated series and I'm, from my childhood and the first two live-action movies. That's always going to be it. If I ever get the urge to watch Ninja Turtles, I'm going to watch one of those two movies, not this one. And I might not even ever watch this movie again. But if there's a sequel, I'll go see it. And I definitely agree with what you guys are saying, that most people, they don't need to see this in the movie theaters. They can wait, they can download it, they can watch it on Netflix, whatever the case may be. In that sense, it's a hit. 
you should check it out if you're a fan of the series because it's not horribly offensive or anything. And it's even not something like um, like a Ghost Rider where if you're a fan of Marvel superheroes, you'll probably go check it out. But it's such a fucking terrible franchise that you shouldn't bother. If you like Ninja Turtles, you'll probably at least be okay with this movie. So, gun to my head, I think I'd end up going with a hit. But it struggles to get that hit. It's certainly not a bullseye for, uh, from my point of view. Yeah, I think the biggest reason I would tell people to go see it is because I'm really scared that this movie isn't going to make money. <laughs> and if this movie doesn't make money, we're not going to get a sequel. And there's a lot. It's not one of those movies that like I need to see Ninja Turtles too. But there is so much potential that I see that was from this movie that even if this movie wasn't the hit, I think you have the door open to introduce elements that would be interesting. And I I would definitely like to see Krang in the second one. I would like to see Casey Jones. And it's my want to see those characters that I want this movie to succeed. Mm. Well, they, you know, they, this movie is made by people with a lot of money. I mean, but yeah. Michael Bay's film company has a lot of money. Nickelodeon has a lot of money. I believe Paramount was a distributor of it. They have a lot of money. So if they want a sequel to be made, a sequel will be made. And if they see that this one didn't make a lot of money, hopefully they'll realize that there was a lot of mistakes made in this one and try to correct them going into the next one, similar to how we had with the G.I. Joe movies. Yeah. Um, I, I have a quote I want to close my, my bit out on that I found here. This is from the Facebook page for Rocket Raccoon, one of the characters from Guardians of the Galaxy. And he just posted this about 10 minutes ago via our recording time. And it is, Kung Fu Turtles are cool and all, but I could blow a three-foot hole through each of them. I assume their film will do well, but it's nothing but a pile of stinky sloth when it compares to our film. <laughs> So before we say goodbye, we're going to go around the room one more time to give everybody a chance to fill you in on some of their projects and different things that you should look out for. Sam, anything you want to plug? Um, you could just check me out on uh, – I, I post occasionally on the uh, Facebook page for Fanboys Anonymous. Uh, I tend to try to update the Tumblr page as much as possible. Uh, I will be on the Dace Man show in September where he's going to do a science-related Dace Man episode. And I'm basically going to be there as the scientist that makes sure they don't kill each other. <laughs> and Peyton? Uh, please stay tuned to everything going on, megapowersradio.com. We are going to be having a new show debuting this Sunday, which will be up on fanboysanonymous.com as well, called Nerdcourt, where we settle all the biggest arguments going on in the geek world. In our debut episode, we are going to be settling Will Sex with Superman Kill Lois Lane? Going to have both Anthony and Sam on that episode, as well as a few other fanboys and fangirls joining us. It's going to be a first time ever for this. So it's definitely going to be something unique, unlike anything else that we've seen on any of our shows. So definitely be on the lookout for that one. And also, all three of us, as well as other fanboys and fangirls, will be in attendance at New York Comic Con upcoming this October in New York City. So if you are going to be in the area for that, be sure to hit us up. Look for us. We're going to be looking to have a lot of fun while we're there, and we'd love to have it with you. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Review Point. On behalf of everybody on the panel for this episode and all the fanboys and fangirls that couldn't be here, 
Thank you for listening and shooting the breeze with us. We hope you had fun, and we want to know what you think were the hits and misses of this movie. So leave those comments below. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this. So, and stay tuned for everything else coming your way from fanboysanonymous.com. This has been Review Point Episode 5. I'm Tony Mango, and I am a fanboy. See you next time, everybody.